in today's episode of the Aman Wire podcast. Surrender is letting go. Letting go of the resistance. Surrender is fitri to us, it's natural to us. People ask me, how do I surrender? Just stop resisting. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Iman Wire podcast. Salim here with my co-host Gaidar. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam, Salim. How are you? Good. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Uh, today joining us is uh, Dr. Uh, Yamina Buganaya, uh, who is a scholar of the Quran and director of Receiving Noor, a nonprofit educational organization that's dedicated to empowerment and enrichment through Quranic spirituality. Uh, she has transitioned from her position as an associate professor of Arabic and Islamic studies to really commit to this project of uh, enrichment through Quranic spirituality. And in addition to her extensive training in Islamic studies, she's also a PhD in theoretical physics, which I think we need to discuss. That's quite oh, interesting. Oh, yes, we do. It's impressive, mashallah. <laughs> but uh, mashallah, we're really um, honored to have her on the show. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. Thank you. Uh, one of the things we wanted to, to discuss today um, with you is, um, as, as, as I mentioned in the bio, how you're really focusing on Quranic spirituality. So I wanted to start with that because um, one of the one of the barriers I think doctors for a lot of a lot of us is getting started spiritually uh, on that path uh, that path to nearest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, I'd like to you know start off with your thoughts about how one uh, can get started on that path um, actually my path myself personally uh, I wasn't really conscious of what's going on until many years later when I started um, having uh, being in the position of helping other people and having uh, conversations and retreats and workshops with other people. And then you can start finding yourself in other people's problems and their questions. In the beginning, I thought, okay, the solution to all this is being more consciously grateful and my first workshops were actually gratitude. And then I realized that there was lots of resistance among these people who were my students for many years. So like, I was not expecting that. And we sat down with them and uh, we realized that the questions were all, these people were had very good intention. They consciously intended to uh, learn the Quran and live with the Quran. So. The, the, everything was there and something was off. Something was being blocked. There was some resistance. And uh, whenever uh, in the gratitude workshop, it was all about, yes, alhamdulillah, but there is this and this. And then I realized that uh, there, there was something I went through myself, but I was not really aware of is we have to start inside. So it's not about broadcasting the Qur'an only, but also about receiving it. And that those uh, those false beliefs, those resisting uh, sides of us inside, we were not aware of them. And that's why uh, we did not start there. We always wanted to understand more, for instance. People will say, can you make it clearer? And it's not a, that it's not clear. It's like there is something in me that is resisting what's coming. And so we started focusing more on inner work and inner receiving. That's why it's called receiving. Mm. Nur. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like it's about the receiving rather uh, God's Rahmah. And there are so many people who are explaining and uh, the Quran and there, there are centuries of uh, scholarship. And mm -hmm. so just with the material we have out there, it should be enough. And so what's wrong? And uh, I think it's, that's why we need to start with uh, questioning our false beliefs, our taken-for-granted um, assumptions about the world that we never question because they are like a, if it's like you're wearing uh, some glasses and they are colored. Mm -hmm. And uh, like if my glasses are blue, uh, even if I look at something white, I will see it like bluish. And if someone else says it's white, I will say no, it's bluish. Uh, and uh, like green will look brownish and, and things like that. And so it's only when you uh, have that uh, courage to take off the glasses that you will start. In the beginning, we'll take them off only for a short time. But then that gives us like a, a small opening onto a world where there is white. 
the color white exists and colors look different. And uh, in the beginning, we put it back because in the beginning, it feels like uh, that nafs al-Amara uh, kinds of beliefs coming from that, that arrogance that is in us in the beginning that we need to clear and purify to make the teskiyah. It, it seems like it's part of us. It's like someone is taking my skin off in the beginning. It's only later that you realize it's just like a, a, a clock or a, a coat that you can easily take off and it won't make any difference in, uh, in your, um, how you say, it, it does not hurt. Actually, you realize that you become much uh, more yourself than when you are uh, bearing all that load of uh, beliefs that you never uh, question. So uh, that's how we started on this. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I started with, um, when we look at the, the life of the Prophet, before receiving the uh, revelation, al-wahi, he he was dissatisfied mm, with yeah. his society, with the values of that society, with idolatry, with uh, the uh, social injustice. And if you look in the Quran also at the the Prophet Ibrahim السلام, who is also like seen as the the father of Tawheed, you will see the same uh, dissatisfaction. And he, in the beginning, he does not know. He's looking for something. He's looking for his rub. He's looking for guidance. And it is uh, when he actually takes that decision that I am going away from you and I'm going to God. I'm sorry, I'm not a hafid. But uh, it is then that the revelation comes when he makes that move away from the mm-hmm. existing dominant paradigm. The, that is the, so that dissatisfaction is something that we need to milk in us, that w- we should not, usually even if we have a dissatisfaction, we tend to ignore it mm-hmm. and we want to uh, say, okay, but we have to work with it and we have to uh, ignore it because... We have to work within this uh, paradigm, but so, like so. One of the things that um, uh, that that may come up is how does one there? You may be in a situation where you don't realize you're dissatisfied with your spiritual state because you're you're so dis- disconnected with it. There may be some other what like what are some other things in your life that may point that you know there's a, there's a deeper problem in you that to point out that no I'm really dissatisfied with the condition of the world or condition of myself to start to 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 make that first step towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know because I think a lot of us we're we're stuck in a certain frame where we don't realize that the problem is within us um so what are what is your what are your thoughts on that? I guess you're referring to the concept of ghafla or unawareness of ourselves. That too, but I, I think also that you know you know a, a lot of us are walking through the world and um, we're actually in quite a bit of pain, but we don't really realize that that it's a pain of that disconnection, you know. And and you know we we try to um, self medicate with a lot of things of of this world, uh, not realizing that the core problem is within us. And so um, I guess my question is like, how do you how do you start to to take that step where you realize that you you are dis, you are dissatisfied? Well, how do you? Now there are two things going on here. There is the the self and the world out there. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, it's a matter of uh, consciousness. Uh, the higher your consciousness is, the more we are. Uh, self-aware. But in the beginning, lots of things seems like I am dissatisfied with something going in the world mm-hmm. out there. Uh, if I take the time to reflect on what's going on, I will realize that whatever is going on out there is always a relationship. And therefore, it involves something mm-hmm. in me. How am I responding to it? Um, now, in practice, not everyone is uh, going to do that. And not everyone is at that level of consciousness. Actually, what right. we want to do is to uh, help people raise their consciousness because lower consciousness means more ghafla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's condemned in the, in the Quran. So, uh, usually, 
Allah is full of rahmah. <laughs> so uh, we may usually, even if we have some dissatisfaction, as you said, like we, we don't go to the root. It's like uh, Western medicine, you know, we go with the symptoms and you cough, they give you cough medicine. I am bored. Some people go to a movie, some people go to hike, some people go to uh, gossip or whatever, or eat or something. So we don't uh, usually, we're not aware that that boredom is something deeper in us. It's, it's speaking. It's actually an ayah from God telling us something. So what Allah does is from time to time, he gives us, according to our situation, what we call crisis, but actually the crisis from from that perspective, it looks like a crisis, but it's actually an opportunity that uh, breaks out our um, routine, our uh, taken-for-granted way of uh, doing things. The crisis could be a serious illness, could be someone very close passing away or something. Suddenly, that uh, illusory this world, that bubble world, where usually it's a, a world where we we push away the reality of transience, the reality of death, because we don't know how to deal with it. In the, even if we're Muslims, even if we know there is akhirah, but because we don't have that certainty, uh, spiritually, emotionally, we can't deal with it, so we just ignore it. So in our bubble, everything is constant, everything... Uh, I know exactly my routine. Tomorrow, this is what I'll do. I may even have plans for uh, next uh, few months. And then suddenly something happens and the bubble is burst. And so that is, at that moment, we have, we have the two paths. We can make, uh, uh, some people make the choice to actually, uh, panic and try to uh, rebuild a bubble or go through a, tra a transition of uh, a deep depression or something, but they want to stay there. They don't want to change what's going on. But for lots of people, those kinds of uh, crises are opportunities. They are opportunities for breakthroughs. Suddenly you say, what am I doing? And, and it's, uh, in, it's a word... Uh, trying something different because this is the reality. The reality is that tomorrow I may not be here. This evening I may not be here, actually. So what is this, uh, this race, this, uh, all these things that I have about how my life should be, what my life is, when actually, in the beginning, I'm not even sure this is my life. I, I have no control. I'm trying to control everything around when I can't control even my own breathing, mm. like on which everything else depends. And uh, because of that, because it's so frightening when we don't know God as our Rabb, the sustainer, the loving, merciful sustainer, then it's very scary. So I don't want to uh, think about it right. because the the... It will be like, I can die any, any time. So everything becomes meaningless. Everything crumbles. Yeah. But the moment there is, you say, yes, but who? There is something magical that happens when you start. This is what, something that I teach to my students is taking three minutes with a timer because three, uh, people, three minutes when you are silent and follow, and it seems very long. Yes. Yes. We don't have that sabr, that patience. So I say, okay, put so that you know it's really three minutes. And three minutes and just breathe and just look at your breathing. With all, You will be at all at amazement. Something is happening in me. Someone is breathing in me. And so those existential questions that we have normally, like who am I, you know, the teenagers, or who am I, what am I doing here? They all transform. They are not there anymore. The new questions are, who is breathing in me? Who is sustaining me? Who is my Rabb? And that's the questions of uh, Ibrahim, salam. Who is sustaining me? And suddenly, this breakthrough, it brings you very close to God there because it's happening in me right here and now. And the more I dwell there, the more I have that patience and... I, We'll have to have some intention, some uh, to decide to stay here. 
then you will find that he is with me and he is more merciful to me than me. And then I'll find him in my own mm-hmm. other uh, desires and needs and, and everything. So then needs become the key to the treasures of the beautiful names. It's just like I need to breathe, I need air, and that's a key to know God as Rahman, Al-Muhyi, the giver of life, the, the merciful, the sustainer. The So every need is like a key to the most beautiful names. And when I start knowing God as my Rabb with his most beautiful name, then the heart starts loving him. Instead of loving other things, it starts... Al-Insan When you know who the source of all that goodness is, the heart automatically is created that way. And that's where the breakthrough st- starts. That's where the journey starts now. So uh, this is actually very interesting. Thank you. Uh, you know, I uh, as you were explaining this, uh, and I was also thinking about how you personally approached it in the beginning. And, um, you know, alhamdulillah, with your, um, you know, background, uh, PhD in theor- theoretical physics and uh, what it entails of quantum physics and whatnot, I wanted you to, if you don't mind, come uh, to us, you know, with a little bit of background of how you connected, you know, how did you, uh, you know, kind of come to this realization and experience about uh, the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our relationship as the self or as, you know, our wajdan, how it connects to uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do you connect it? Do you have certain theories? The realm sense? of quantum physics is like, yeah. I feel like it's a very divisive space. I mean, I feel there's a, there's a large contingent in that of on the quantum physics who are actively trying to disprove uh, for example, the existence of God, or just don't believe in God to begin with, and then there's a there's an also subset. You know, I remember a book I read a long time ago in college called God and the New Physics, and this author was I can't remember what the name was, but it was talking about new developments in quantum physics and how that actually could push someone towards believing in God. But certainly, I mean, you can speak more to this, and we'd like to hear like as Gaidar's question, uh, very interesting in that realm of sort of this. Uh, this battle about, you know, the belief in God or the existence of God in that realm and how that's factored into a lot of the things that you're doing today. When I was uh, actually, I started being interested in uh, in the Quran when I was a PhD student in quantum, mm-hmm. in quantum physics. Mm-hmm. And um, that time I was reading many uh, things and then suddenly I... Once I found a little book, someone gave me a very small book, and it was about uh, causation, causes. Mm -hmm. And this little book was saying that uh, causes don't create. Uh, It is God who created them, but he was not going top down, you know. We we are Muslims. Mm -hmm. The the approach really uh, amazed me. It was a book called uh, Nature, Cause, or Effect. It was translated from uh, Turkish and uh, the uh, author is uh, actually a Kurdish, I think, uh, scholar, Bediyar Zaman Said Nursi. And he, in that book, the approach was, I found the approach very, like, very cl- uh, close to physics and maths because he did not start with, we're Muslims, we believe in God, God creates everything, therefore, it can't be causes that create, he must be the creator of everything. No, he was saying, follow the, what the Quran says. The Quran says, look at the creation. So he says, okay, let's look at the creation. Let's look at something. I don't remember what the examples he gave, but for instance, one of the, a very example, uh, easy example. Here we have a uh, water. Look at water. You can put it under microscope. We know it's H2O. Uh, H2O have the molecules, the, the atoms have to come in a certain way to become this molecule of water. Uh, the fact that actually we can go inside and at the end, this is all motion and vibration. If there's no vibration, no motion, there will be nothing. Actually, there will be nothing in the world, as we're told in the Quran, if God uh, leaves uh, the creation, they will disintegrate. So this water has no consciousness, no life, especially life is important, and uh, no knowledge, nothing. Yet, I can drink it. Any, when I drink it, 
It acts in my body as if it knows all the anatomy, as if it knows all the chemistry, everything. It interacts uh, perfectly, as we are told in the Quran. Look again, look again. You won't find anything. Any animal you give it to, uh, you give it water, it acts, it knows, as if it knows everything. All plants, anywhere. But at the same time, it has no will, nothing. I can do anything I want with it. So he says, when you ask those questions, and those questions are asked in the Quran, it says, do they have hands with which? Do they have legs? Do they have sea? And it says, even for water, if you put it there and wait forever, it will never come to you. You will have to take it yourself. It cannot, and it says, we are told in the Quran, they cannot create anything because they themselves are being created. Actually, usually translated as they are created, but actually, yukhlaqoon is a continuous sound. And it's repeated, actually, that uh, area. So once you start looking at water this way, then you realize that it cannot be doing this. At the same time, the way the interaction in the world, the way things are uh, interconnected, everything is interconnected with each other, the way either, he says, so this is uh, Imam Nursi saying, rahimahullah, he says, either... This water, for instance, it was not water. Either it knows everything and has control over everything, and therefore it's a god. That's the qualities of a god. Or it is at the uh, command, acting at the command of one who knows everything. And at the same time, because everything is interconnected, if we say that it, okay, it knows everything, let's accept that, it, then it commands everything, controls everything. At the same time, when you look at it from the perspective of earth or the perspective of air or light, you see that they are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, like it's like cause and effect. Right. That's why yeah. he calls it cause and yeah. uh, Like which is the cause and which is the effect. They are just, mm -hmm. as Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah says, they are just put together. And just because they are one next to the other, we take it to that without questioning. Right. And so he says... The cause and the effect, the cause is so lifeless, has nothing so simple, but the effect is something full of life, something so complex, something so much higher. It's called emergence now. Uh, what emerges is beyond our imagination. That, that connection, that relationship is the sign, he says. It's mm. the relationship that's the area. And in that space between the two, that is, it looks like when you look at it from far and you look, for instance, at a, uh, a star on a mountain, it could be not a star, but just a light. Right, right. Because it looks very close. But when you question, it's like going there. You're not looking from far. And then you see, he says, it's like they are, you realize that it's the stars, the names of the beautiful names of God. Suddenly you start seeing them in the heavens of uh, Rububiyya, like you see that. And so it is that book, in the beginning I was like, I, I could not accept it uh, easily. I was saying, oh, there is, like, this guy must be crazy. Like, how come causes don't create? Of course causes. Uh, they, they, they can't be. And I'm coming from uh, quantum uh, physics. That, right. that's, that's your DNA. <laughs> uh, but in quantum physics, actually, causality is uh, questioned. However, most physicists think that quantum physics is, they're still hoping that they will find something right. and they will go back to the old determinism. Mm -hmm. So at the end, it took me a while because I had to practice it myself. It was not enough to read it. So it took me months. Meanwhile, my advisor, Rahimahullah, he was also questioning because he really believed that quantum physics was real. The re it was like he was saying it's not only in quantum world, the world around us is not deterministic. Mm -hmm. 
if we really question it, right. it's not deterministic. All deterministic uh, system in physics, in, even in classical physics, they are all in closed system, lab-like, right. like in right. a box. You have to take yes. off lots of uh, other stuff in order to make it very simple. And it, even then, it is an approximation. Mm-hmm. The deterministic uh, it's like a model, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you can explain for, for, for our listeners, deterministic meaning that meaning it has if you know to if you know the initial conditions, you can predict right. what's yeah, going exactly, on later. Yeah. So so yeah. it must be that result at the end of the exercise. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And and usually the these equations are time reversible. It's like you go from past to future to future to past. This right. is not the reality. Mm-hmm. We get older, everything changes. Uh right. So it really uh, Tylenol does not work anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's not uh, your e- even your classical physics changes. is like you have to take it to. It applies to a world that does not exist really in the world out there, in the sense that it always is an approximation. It's useful as a tool, but it does not represent the reality as it is. The uh, reality mm-hmm. is much more complex. Now, um, quantum physics says. You can't have, there is, you cannot predict anything from the initial conditions. Mm -hmm. So you cannot say cause does not have the same meaning. You can't say that in deterministic, it means without water, you won't have life. Mm -hmm. And they conclude that therefore water gives life, which Mm -hmm. is, which is wrong because Mm -hmm. without bulb, there will be no light in the room. It doesn't mean that the the bulb is making the light or Mm -hmm. anything. It's just part of the system. Uh, electricity is coming from outside. If you follow up, actually none of them is making the, the light. It's the whole thing together is a means to channel the light to us. That's all. And so it is with life. But you have to question that. Now, quantum, uh, in quantum mechanics, there is no determinist. It's non-deterministic and it's probabilistic. You cannot know for sure what the outcome will be. Like. So, subhanAllah, uh, and this is really interesting because, you know, uh, uh, as you both know, we have that as a part and parcel of our aqidah, you know, uh, that, you know, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is khaliq al-shifa, khaliq al, uh, you know, al-shu'ur bil-shaba' uh, or, or, or uh, being satiated or being uh, basically uh, cured by medicine. Medicine does not cure in our traditional uh, creed. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created the effect of the cure, who created the cure, you know, as a result of somebody following the asbab or somebody, but sometimes the asbab do not really manifest or do not really, you know, kind of yield the same results that you, that you come about. But now, since I asked you about this question, I realized that we digressed a little bit, but I want to just bring it full circle back. How did you come after you went through this exercise? You know, how did you reflect internally? You know, how did you kind of come back to receiving no? In, in the beginning, it was all about uh, um, realizing suddenly that everything in the world was truly an area. Uh, mm. It's not like I was not a Muslim before. I used to pray. And of course. I believed that everything was an area. But before, later I realized that when I was saying an area, and actually I talked to, to some uh, colleagues who are like people who teach Islamic studies and things. And we say, and I found for, for instance, someone who was telling me everything is an ayah. I was like, oh, excited. Like everything <laughs> is an ayah. And then the same person believes in causality. Like they can't be ayah if they are, mm. if they are causes, they, the relationship is uh, horizontal and they are not uh, pointing to anything vertical beyond them. Right. Um, and I realized that I used to be like that. That's why it was nothing exciting. Things are area because the Quran says so. That's it. So I'm not denying, but not denying does not mean iman. Not denying is just not denying. It's better than denying. It's, but you are at the threshold, but you didn't enter into the, the building, into the house. So later, the first thing was, Realizing that things are ayat, that this water is the throne is of the names of God, was for me, it was something very transformative. It was something amazing. And 
slowly, slowly, that was being internalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me a while to realize that even my feelings were ayat. That it took like a, a long transition. Everything was from God out there, but inside there was still uh, it. There was the, the eye was still holding. The, it's only later, and now also um, I'm a um, uh, fluent Turkish uh, speaker. I lived in Turkey. Um, the first thing was I had read, uh, and when once I could read in Turkish, because the, the first book was in English, it was a translation. Now all the works of uh, Imam Nursi are translated, but that time they were not. So I read something called Ena, the Eye. And he talks about the eye being a unit of measurement. And I read it, but I read it and forgot about it for a while until things happened in my life. The crisis I'm talking about, it's not like something theoretical. I'm talking about my own uh, experience. There were lots of crises, and it was not on the first crisis that I said, okay, I submit and surrender. In the beginning, uh, I was... uh, I thought I was praying. I thought I was asking for help. But while I was has asking for help, while I was uh, help, I had in my mind, I knew what I wanted as the outcome. And I was asking God, help me create this outcome for me. Can you imagine? Now I see like this is arrogance. Uh, praying is not asking for a particular uh, outcome. Praying is dua, is a, an act of obudiya, is an act of surrender, is an act of realizing that God is always with me, he's always taking care of me, he's taking care of my own breathing right now, my own seeing, my own everything. And when there is a crisis, it's an opportunity for me, he's reminding me, look here also, you have to go back and ask him. He's taking care of the the most important things anyway. So it's not like God doesn't know that I'm in crisis. For instance, I'm very sick and I need to tell, to remind him. No, it's for me to remember that when I was healthy all the time and now even in sickness, he is there with me. So it is a recognition, a surrender, a reminder. A, and so it is, a, it should be um uh, an opportunity and a um, moment of pausing and making istighfar that I have forgotten that it was all from you. And I recognize this. And the, the very fact that I'm now uh, wanting, desiring health so intensely, that is from you. Where did I get that need from? So it, it, the, the prayer looks like it's from me to him, but actually... It is, he is making me pray. He is giving me the need for health. So in my, when I look at my, uh, that's why in uh, that time I was praying, but I was praying and also like, will, will it be accepted? Will not, will it not be accepted? Now I am like looking, of course, the very fact that I have this need, this desire for Shifa is the, is the warranty that he is the Shafi, is the warranty that he wants me. And the Shifa does not have to be in this world because the that's not the goal. The goal is to know the source of Shifa. What if I am healthy all my life and never uh, get to know the source of Shifa? I'm doomed in Akhirah. And even in this life, because that Shifa, that health does not bring me sati- true satisfaction. So I was, those crises, I was making dua, but there was this I am, I am, that I was always there and I was unaware of it. It took a long time, like to when you reach, they say when you reach the the bottom <laughs> and then you say, you declare, okay, I surrender. And that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, but that know. surrender, yeah. then you start taking that, oh, this surrender is really something very good. Why I was resisting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and since then, I made the decision without any crisis. Every day, I say, I, in the beginning, I used to write it. Believe me, it was written even inside the closet so that when I open Something oh. I see it. Oh. It reminds me. And what there did you were write? A- what did I, you write? I wrote some ayat from the Quran okay. that will remind me that mm. 
for instance in al hukm illa lillah and but for me it meant hukm belongs to him you are here only to surrender so i used to say yes i surrender yes i surrender i do not need a crisis to surrender mm. Uh, I mean that's um, a real engagement yeah. with the Quran. So, there. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, so, so just just in al-hukm it just makes me uh, think how petty and uh, superficial it is that some people just take that uh, ayah politically only. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, this is really beautiful. But um, may Allah bless you. And and uh, you know what you mentioned about how you approach this. Um, also translates into other, you know, uh, realms of life, you know, what we do, like, you know, if I'm in IT, you're in medicine, um, you know, if I am, uh, you know, in the fields of teaching, you know, academia, all, you know, if, if I'm a contractor, worker or anything, what I do is also part of my experience, you know, and it seems that you're inviting us all to reflect in our own existence, in our own circles. And, and quite frankly, a lot of the uh, shift from Islam by the young Muslims that uh, it seems, uh, I'm sure you're aware in the Muslim world right now, as we speak, there's a huge wave of, uh, you know, ilhad of, or people who are, uh, you know, doing away with Islam altogether. And then there's also another uh, approach, Western, uh, you know, approach that has been, of course, going on for a while, but now it's renewed and rejuvenated about the idea of, you know, being your own self-determinant factor or, or, or source. And a lot of these arguments are actually coming from, you know, the academic world of how you kind of level the playing field and, and, and kind of become your own, you know, uh, the I becomes the, 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 the self-truth or you create your own truth, so to speak. In, in a way, they deny the fitra and they, they think you can just uh, make up your own story. If right, you believe exactly. it, you, right. you become it. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, we were thinking like, you know, so, so from, from one truth to, uh, you know, uh, to many claims of truth and then later on it becomes many just claims. There's no truth anymore <laughs> so well no my truth is the truth yeah, yeah and my truth, truth yeah truth, and then it becomes everyone. but even my truth it, there's no it's just a claim you know there's no real substantial and it changes day by day yeah subhanallah so so i guess it's just an invitation your um you know remarks were actually an invitation for all of us you know to reflect you know you were having this because of your background you were having this realization and this arrival at this uh haqiqa or at this factor uh, that's, uh, of course, uh, the essence of our uh, being. But uh, I guess, do you have certain practical, you know, steps that are applicable to all of us, you know, despite yeah. our differences? Like, how do you invite us, you know? And, and by the way, uh, this is very interesting because now I'm thinking like, oh, I understand now with this, mashallah, approach. I understand all these invitations of the Quran to do tafakkur, you know? We're like, okay, anzuru fi ayatillah, you know, look at right. the signs of Allah. I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to have to look at it like one dimensional. It's not really meaning anything, right? But this approach is a total different transformation. And it means a whole lot when, when you read these ayat again. You were talking about this ayat. And, and the question that we received is that, is that, you know, I can see with my eye, Right, but you know, it seems like a lot of the our teachers talk about seeing with the heart, right? And there's how are how do you make that uh, that how do you how do you develop that sight of the heart? Um, how are you able to see those ayat uh, truly as ayat, right? Um, and and you know, going back to what you were saying in the beginning, one of the things I think that y you pointed out was to start to recognize your dissatisfaction with the, you know, your condition, you have to step back, you have to maybe do a retreat, like you mentioned, the three minutes of, of silence, which, you know, I think is, yes, it's, it's a very, and we don't, we don't like being still, we don't like being silent. So with Gaidar's question, what are some of the practical steps as a, as a final point of advice to our listeners of developing that inner sight where we can actually do that tafakkur and, and we can actually recognize those ayat and have that, um, you know, the, the, that, that spiritual development as a result? One thing is, I think it's, um, what I shared may look like it's uh, stemming from a particular context, mm -hmm. but I think it's, we can uh, translate it into any uh, context because it's the human condition, really the fitra mm -hmm. and our relationship with, uh, with 
uh, with the world and therefore with our Rabb. Uh, that's the, the Ubudiyah actually is um, uh, a very important concept in, as I, uh, well, concept, it's a reality actually. It's our reality, which is the needs that I talked about. That's all we have, our faqr, antumul fuqara ilallah. Uh, that faqr, that need, is what we need to, uh, not, it's there, mm -hmm. to become more and more aware of it. Usually, uh, when we are in ghafla, we dread our needs. We dread them. Uh, that's why we want to hoard, to make sure, uh, to have everything under control, because when things are not under control, it reminds us how vulnerable, how fragile, how uh, powerless we are. But um, it takes a, a surrender. That's why surrender comes uh, first, although it's going to grow with Iman and with Ihsan. It's like the, the, the Islam, Iman, Ihsan, there is a little surrender, that step of that leap of faith. And then when you say, yes, okay, let me try, and then you're suddenly something will open up, you will witness something, so your iman will increase. You get to know God. You will, in that ubudiyah, it is a mirror to rububiyah, to our Rabb with his beautiful names. Then you start acting with that. That's a level of, uh, ihsan is a level of being, of uh, consciousness. Then when you come back, now your Islam is going to Raise increase up. as well. Yeah. So it's a, it's like a spiral up. A spiral up. Yeah. So this, in the beginning, there needs to be that. It can't be like, uh, you have to convince me. No, you have to take a, it's like uh, one example that I uh, like to um, give because I feel that that's how I, something I experienced in my life is like, they tell you, uh, I used to think that when I understand, I will surrender. Mm -hmm. But actually, you use, when you surrender, then you can understand. It's like someone is saying, when uh, the light is on, I will open my eyes. You wouldn't know there is light. Open your eyes, and then you will see the light It was always there. Uh, so this needs, first, at least theoretically, know that it's not something that you need to run away from. It's going to take uh, years to get used to it. But we can start somewhere. To start letting go. Surrender is letting go. Letting go of the resistance. Surrender is fitri to us, is natural to us. But, so we're not doing something in order to surrender. People ask me, how do I surrender? Mm -hmm. Just stop resisting. Mm -hmm. So uh, the action is in letting go of the resistance, not in doing something in order to. And, and if I may interject, and, and this is beautiful because uh, I wanted to uh, mention something. It is almost part of our uh, modern day, um, you know, DNA that you have to be part of the resistance, quote unquote. You know, I mean, and, and I don't mean to indulge politically. I want to because it's becoming a philosophy. It's becoming, you know, in light of the many injustices that we see around the world and in light of the many uh, systemic things, economically, politically, socially, that are not right. You know, everybody who has a little bit of good heart, everybody who has a little bit of good conscience is becoming part of, quote unquote, the resistance. You know, that may be conflated now with yeah, the yeah. resistance. Yeah, yeah. That's good you brought that because right. we are now talking yeah. about surrender towards uh, uh, first, God. Yeah. Before, before right. God, yeah. towards the reality. Before, because in the beginning, the person may not deny God, mm -hmm. but if we are at the beginning of the spiritual journey, we don't know really uh, God as our Rabb, yeah. because I don't know myself as Abd. As the, I, I'm not in touch with my Ubudiyah. I'm afraid of my Ubudiyah, mm -hmm. because it seems like if I acknowledge it, I'm going to uh, lose everything. But what I'm losing is an illusion, an illusion of being powerful, illusion, illusion to have built something on earth in this life. So we are talking now to the believer mm -hmm. who at least does not deny and is willing, because unless you have the intention and willingness, you're not going to start on this journey. Mm -hmm. So it's good that you brought that because uh, the the resistance here is a resistance, an inner resistance towards my reality nothing to do with the yeah. nothing to do with the outer world now my own reality is that 
I have only needs. I, if someone has knowledge, it's because they have a need for, they have curiosity. Uh, if someone may not be very knowledgeable, he doesn't care because he doesn't have the need for it. Mm-hmm. And we actually, even in a very worldly um, uh, way, mm-hmm. our needs are useful because there will be no joy of life. For instance, we have lots of kinds of foods. If there was no hunger, which is the need for nutrition, for food, then we wouldn't enjoy anything. If we didn't have a need for friendship, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't bother with friends. Why should I bother with them? We wouldn't bother with having children, for instance. We would be, no need means a piece of rock. It doesn't have needs. So needs actually is what makes the life is uh, and consciousness higher and the quality of life and pleasure and joy and happiness higher. But usually we forget that because we have the fear of facing uh, that reality of ours. Now, if we start making peace with our vulnerability, and then we will learn, we'll have to learn, and we are taught that uh, in the Islamic tradition, it's in the Quran, it's in the Hadith, how to contemplate and find rububiyah, find the beautiful names of God in the mere inside the need. My need for shifa, when I'm sick, for healing, tells me that whoever is creating me with this desire, with this need, is the healer. He is the source of all healing. So I get to know him on a very intimate uh, level, in a very intimate way. And I find that he is very qareeb. That's why he says, if uh, if my servants ask you, mm. tell them I'm very close. But my servants, my ibad, mm. they have mm. to be... They have to right. surrender first. Yes. They have to first yes. identify yes. as abd. Yeah. So now this is one thing is to make peace. Okay, it's okay. I have needs. And this this is from... This is what will take me to him. My needs is what takes me to him. That is the mirror where I communicate with God with my rub. Uh, another thing is uh, to perform. I mentioned uh, that uh, yesterday. We tend, so take opportunities when we say assalamu alaikum to someone. These are all means to uh, cultivate our ihsan, cultivate our consciousness. Uh, but of course, it will only uh, bear fruit to the extent that this Ubudiyah is uh, cultivated because then the more we know our Rabb, the more our Iman is going to increase. And so we will have, uh, that will translate into Ihsan, inshallah. For instance, when we say Salaam Alaikum, not only just saying it and I have things to do, but at least few times a day, at least mean it, intend it, bless the other person. Ask God, whatever level you are, it doesn't matter the level because the increase doesn't come from us. We do the work and Allah gives the, 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 the fruits. It's like when you grow a tree, we don't create the, the, the fruits. So you mean it, salam alaikum. Uh, bismillah, we say bismillah and then I start eating. It says, فَلْيَنْدُرِ insanu ila So at least not every day maybe. But if I do it few times, if I do it sincerely, contemplate on my ta'am, the way, follow the area, and then follow, 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 then you will realize that it's a small plate of food, but this food, for it to be here, the whole world has to be, exist. So it's not uh, $5. $5 is for the, the person who is preparing it. For it to exist is, Alhamdulillah bi'adadi ma khalaqt. Uh, so then that's how the heart will start being moved. It's, uh, because otherwise, it's Bismillah, it is only information. But it does not become ma'rifa. It does not uh, go from the, the mind or the brain into the heart unless I perform it, practice it. So when I say Bismillah, I mean not in the name of food, not in my name. If I am eating with ghafla, I say, oh, I love this thing. And as if when I'm saying this, my heart is all focused on the thing itself. My love is all for the thing itself. I said, Bismillah, I said, Alhamdulillah. In between, it's all ghafla. It means it's hidden shirk. 
And I say, oh, I, alhamdulillah, I love this. This is really tasty. This is really good. Stop and how can this thing that knows nothing about me give me pleasure? I mean, the physical thing goes into the physical body, but pleasure is something, emotion, something, the spirit is taking something from it. And then you realize you eat more, it's not pleasurable anymore. If it were from it, mathematically, logically, the more I eat, the more pleasure I get. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because without that hunger, that need for it, it becomes like I don't want to see it anymore. I had enough. So it's, it means it's telling you something. It's speaking. It's telling you it's not from me. Like I say, astaghfirullah, it says subhanallah. Subhanallah, what does it mean? He's above any shirk, any illusory shirk you may ascribe to it. I am not an idol. I am, it's not from me. It's saying la ilaha illallah. It's saying la razzaqa illallah. But I am not trained to listen to it. Why? Because I'm not even making the effort. I, I have, there has to be intention. And intention here, uh, is usually I don't want to use the word because you say, oh, niya, niya. Niya is not, intention is not. Okay, I'll see if it works. Intention means resolution, resolve. I make a decision. And inshallah, whenever, at least few times, start with once, uh, once a day, start with once every weekend when you have time, because you know, the ego starts saying, you don't have time, even two minutes. The, we have times for gossip for hours. When it comes to something like this, suddenly it feels like very long. It's only two minutes. It's only intending. So this becomes, instead of when I mean Bismillah, when I mean Alhamdulillah, when I do, in order to mean them, I have to do the, the remembrance, the, the contemplation, the tafakkur in between, then this becomes not a potential idol. The good food, the nice food is not a potential idol. It be, idols are not only those uh, statues that the pre-Islamic Arabs uh, mentioned. I, I, anything can be made into uh, an idol. And then it becomes an ayah. It becomes an ayah. It speaks to me. And like uh, Imam Nursi has something very uh, beautiful. He says, the, now, the Quran has ayat and the kainat the creation has ayat. Both of them are like Qur'ans. They are reciting the beautiful names of God. They are telling us about God. And so he says it's like when he is speaking to us in the Qur'an, he is creating at the same time. Like he's saying that Allah is kareem. How would I know that he is the provider or he's generous unless I... And then he provides me in the... In true life. And then so the, the reading to me from this, I understand that it's like uh, if you have um, a movie, but it's silent or you don't understand the language. It's, I, I don't understand yeah. Russian, for, for instance. Then I don't understand the, what's going on. It's like having the creation without the Quran. Mm. And if I have the Quran and I'm trying to understand it, I have the words, but uh, the, the TV, the screen is black. Then also I can't follow. Because you say, God said, look at your food. God said, look at your food. Good. Correct. Go and look at your food. You can't go uh, understand the next area if you didn't practice the first area. But we, we, we go all, we give all the grammar or everything. Everything is correct and everything can be used by others. But personally, in order to benefit from it, for it to become Quran, to have, to, to experience the tenzil, I have to go and practice it and wait. Personally, I, I do my homework. I work, I work on the words and everything. And then sometimes I don't understand or I, I have my criteria, of course. If it can't be, for instance, one of the criteria, it can't be something that anyone could understand without the help of God. For instance, you read an ayah, they tell you lots of beautiful things, but a non-believer could tell the same thing. I say, okay, that's all correct, but it can't be the main message of this ayah. 
It has to be something totally new, something healing. Shifa wa rahmatan lil mu'minin, lil muslimin. And the Quran says lil mu'minin or lil muslimin. You have to have be surrender. You have to believe in order to find that rahma. And that rahma is not me who extracts it. I wait there. I say, I, I did my homework. I know all the words. I understand the meaning, but I still can't get it. And wait. Sometimes it takes a day. Sometimes it takes days. And I try to practice it if there is something to perform and practice and wait and then things start and you, it doesn't come only to the mind. You feel it. It's a feeling. If it's a feeling, an emotion, then it's from the heart. But all this for the heart to work is to engage in the world. And the first thing is the surrender to make that decision to Make peace with my vulnerability because that's the, the path to Ubudiya. That's the path to uh, get to know God as my Rabb because Tawheed al-Uluhiyah is not enough to say one God and then all causes, all things, they are themselves doing things. That's the, opens the door to shirk. And Tawheed is that in everything, nothing becomes an obstacle. The, the, the create, that's what I loved, loved, loved about the, the Quran from the very beginning mm-hmm. is that it talks a lot about the creation and the creation is not a veil. I don't have to go into a convent to somewhere mm-hmm. so that because everything distracts me from God, I have to find God it's only right inside. Yeah. I, and it's almost mm-hmm. like imagining him. No, no, no. Everything the is mirroring him. him. Yeah. Everything is like an ayah means like a mirror. Everything is making tasbih. If I, learn how to listen, listen to them through contemplation. They are all making tisbih. They are all proclaiming his uh, beautiful names. They are all making the testimony. That's why it's called Alam al-Shahada, the world of Shahada. SubhanAllah, I mean, uh, as we move, uh, as I reflect back to, to my question, you know, it seems that in order to, uh, you know, surrender, uh, in order to resist the injustices or the things that are not godly in the world around us, we have to first surrender, you know? So not to conflate, like I mentioned in the beginning, like not to conflate when I asked that question, you gave me yeah. the answer. I, so not yeah. to conflate, you know, yeah. the two resistances, you know, it's actually a criteria. We first have to surrender. We surrender to the God, source of justice. The source of justice. so that And then... I will stop and make istighfar because I may be committing small injustices in my life with that. So I make istighfar for what I know and I don't know. What I know, I will change. What I don't know, I make istighfar. And please guide me to justice because And then when I go out in the world, I won't go as a resistant. Mm-hmm. Because there are two ways of going. I can say I resist injustice, no to injustice, mm-hmm. but I can go out again and saying, okay, no to injustice, it's good. Mm-hmm. What does no to injustice means? It means I want justice. And I go and work for justice instead of just saying no to injustice, no right. to this, mm-hmm. no to that, and almost like feeding into, into right. it. Right, feeding but, into the noise. So the it, resistance yeah. is, is part of the surrender. Right. It leads to the surrender. So that's beautiful. And in all this, of course, what is needed is pausing. That's why the five daily prayers, they are a blessing. They are a, a rahma. Because it's, it's like we're, you're going very fast and it's like a, on the way. And then suddenly you have you to... Stop by for uh, rest, yep. <laughs> right. yeah. resting station. Yeah. Resting. You have to rest and slow yeah. down. When we slow down, we think we are... The, the, nafs, the ego says... It's, uh, you're losing time. Not at all. When you slow down, you realize the barakah. So when you, it's time to slow down, to realize how, what's going on, to renew our bay'ah to the Prophet, to the path of uh, the Quran, to make hamd again, to be grateful. And that brings a lot of barakah. Actually, at least five times a day. And that's why the three minutes just stay yes, there. Yes. In the beginning, that in the beginning is three minutes. Afterwards, when you start tasting, mm, enjoying it, it then you increase it. And then you don't just 
listen to your breathing, then you just listen to, for instance, subhanallah, or just to astaghfirullah. Astaghfirullah is not only when we do something wrong. The Prophet used to make istighfar all the time. What does it mean? It has a meaning much more than what we think. Reflection and retreat. You know, having that, you know, some of the scholars say at least uh, five five minutes a day, you know, like towards the end of the day, like have that, that kind of session of retreat, like to yourself, mm-hmm. that khalwa, you know, just to think about what you have, self-muraqaba and muhasaba and all that, you know. Definitely. So, uh, it, it, yeah. But slowing it, down it is definitely, totally, yeah. It totally um, transforms uh, our life, at least in the beginning, in inside. And you start, there is barakah in time even. I told you like one minute, you can start with one minute. Mm-hmm. Put your timer on one minute and just and breathe slowly and see how that one minute is so, there is so much barakah in it. Mm-hmm. But when we are, the more we slow down, the more we realize that time expands because time right. is not, is relative. It's not something we think that time is this much right. no it's how i interact with it there's an argentinian uh, pro- proverb or saying like if you don't if you speed up meaning driving on the way if you speed up you won't be able to smell the uh, roses on the side of the road and if you speed up some more you won't be able to even see them yeah so, <laughs> sure that, so, that's the same with life yeah, and the, the more life, yeah. the, the more we are uh, we speed up in life the more we are not living actually because the more ghafla and uh, slowing down is help us remember even even in totally dunyawi worldly affairs for instance you're going out and then you realize you forgot your keys the first thing we do what is it we can't go still walk fast and try to remember we slow down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right because unless we slow down we can't remember and now we want to remember that everything is an aya that I'm abd that my real goal in life is not to do this and that those are means and that my real goal in life is to know my rab and to prepare for eternal life and eternal life and akhirah is not after i die after i die it's too too late i need to uh, confirm makes the stick of akhirah here and now in every transaction, or at least in some transactions every day. Alhamdulillah, I mean, uh, these are some great uh, points, uh, uh, Um I want to thank you really for taking the time out to be thank with you. us. Um, it was you. it was really uh, Hi, thank you. Very, very very some, I mean, uh, I was thinking we should just have three minutes of dead air, right? <laughs> and just to make it so yeah. people could just reflect in because uh, I think that's such a really such a such really some great practical points for for first myself and then for everyone else listening to to thank incorporate. You. And thank so Jazakallah khair. Again, um, Dr. Yamin is from Receiving Noor, and I invite uh, everyone to to. Um, to check out their work and uh, Ghaidar I want to thank you for being on the show inshallah and no, I appreciate we'll it and, and please do actually at the end of this uh, we invite everyone to join us in three minutes of silence so we will okay so after you you close us out with the nasheed we'll do three minutes of yes, dead air yes, yes inshallah, inshallah. Yeah, yeah why not we'll okay that. so uh, again thank for you. our listeners thank, thank you for uh, uh, again listening to us for another episode uh, we appreciate your support uh, please uh, give us a, a five star rating in iTunes share the podcast with friends and family anyone who you think may benefit and until then, assalamu alaikum, peace be unto you.